Yeah, everybody has something to do with Houston Real Producers. You know, the companies that, that are in this, they're in here for 24, 36, 48 months to support your business, to be here for you. And, uh, and, then, and then again, just huge shout out to everybody that you're looking at that you're going to learn from. So just on down the line, Monica Foster, Jennifer Shula, Emma Dow, and, uh, and Rose. Give them a step. Thank you. Come on, come on, come on. I'm about to turn this, up. I'm about to turn this thing over to Rose. She's going to moderate for you all. So um, let's we'll see if I can go timeline here in order. So Jennifer was uh, a rising star when I first started the company a few years ago. And then, uh, and then you know, within 18 months or so, she's like, Taylor, check my numbers out. What do you think? Am I good? Can, can I make it on the cover? Almost. And then she got there. She got there. And I've only seen that happen twice. And Dan Gates was actually on the cover with her. And then he sat in that seat uh, a couple, about three months ago. Only, only two people in Greater Houston that were first rising stars and then on the cover. Monica was on the cover, I think, first year, right, that when we came out? March 2019? Okay. She got it down. Nice. She's right, right there, locked. Emma, she's featured this year. Okay, just got to know her this year. She's a hockey player. Who would have thought with those beautiful sun, uh, beautiful shades that, or glasses? <laughs> I want to keep wanting to call them sunglasses. Anyway, hockey player in Texas. I'm, I'm a hockey player, and I, I don't know, so that was a cool thing. When I figured that out, I was like, I like it. All right, and then uh, Rose, she's, she's hilarious. You know, she, she might, you might not be able to tell her right away, but she's, she's got a personality that's out of control, does great in the real estate business, featured her. She's uh, part of the JPAR organization, and I'm excited. I'm very selective with who I uh, ask to moderate these things, and, um, and Rose was the perfect fit for that. So I'm excited. Y'all are in for a treat. And, uh, again, if you have questions, jot them down because we'll get to them soon, but we're going to get into the meet and uh, give it up for them one more time, please. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have fun with you guys. So the questions I plan to ask these amazing women, they have no idea what they're going to be. So we're going raw today. But before I get started, let's talk about their amazing gross volume in 2020. Monica, at the end over there, did $117 million in 2020 gross volume. So I'm going to drill them really good today. <laughs> Jennifer, amazing Jennifer, did $30 million in 2020. And my, team. and my team. And the team. I love it. That's how we get started. Emma, right next to me here, four years in the business, $13 million in 2020. <laughs> All right. So I'm sure you want to learn just a little bit from these women, right? And it's all women, so guys, we love you too. <laughs> so let's get started. My first question, and I'm going to go ahead and let Emma start, and then she can pass the mic over. My first question is, what did you do before real estate, and why did you choose this career? Uh, I was almost 20 years in the oil and gas business. Um, I, my last role was looking after North America as a marketing manager, but I did a lot in uh, global sales. Um, I love that job, but good Lord, oil and gas is like a roller coaster. And um, I've, I've, I've survived all the layoffs, but um, at the end of the day, it was exhausting, always wondering. And plus, it's, I was in an engineering company full of men like 98% men, and everybody was an engineer, and I'm not an engineer. I'm, my background is in marketing. I love sales, and I love marketing. 
I didn't want to manage, uh, line manage operations, and the only way for me to continue to grow was um, I was being pushed into line management. They wanted me to go overseas, and um, I just I didn't I didn't want to do it. So I actually I quit, and um, my husband was super supportive because. <coughs> that meant losing half of our income. He's here, right here in Blaine, in the corner, also a hockey player. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so we, as a family, made a decision that, shucks, I'd give it a, a whirl and, and see if I could do it. I, I didn't know if I would be any good at real estate. Um, I knew I really loved it, because I watched all of those HGTV shows, and I <laughs> wanted to be like Chip and Joanna, <laughs> which I'm not at all, because I'm not really very stylish. But you know, it was kind of a goal. We had bought a foreclosed home in 2009, so we'd done a bunch of renovating. We had bought raw acreage land and then ag exemptions. We had built a barn dominium. So we had done a lot of stuff ourselves. We had bought a little investment house called the Flea Pit because it was full of fleas and rats. So we had done a quite a, a lot of stuff, and w and and so. I did all of those real estate schools at Champions. I loved it. I loved that place. Um, and I got through those in six weeks, and then I, I just kind of got cracking. And, um, and I didn't really look back. I love this. I wish I had done this years ago. Awesome. Well, we're going to find out how you are so successful, what it is that you're doing in just a little while. Okay, Jennifer. So I started off in 1996. Um, I had an opportunity to work at a lease-up property, multifamily, and so they hired me as a receptionist because I had no experience whatsoever, and I kept begging my manager to just let me lease, like give me that opportunity to lease apartments, and so I bugged her enough that finally this couple was walking in, and they, she said, I begged her, I was like, please, come on, just give me a chance, and she's like, fine, go do it, and I ended up leasing the most expensive apartment we had there, and then from then on, I was a leasing consultant, and I went on to lease the most apartments in Houston that year. So I was in that, uh, the apartment industry for, okay, I'm not good at remembering how many years, but um, I was in that industry for a long time. I worked my way up to manager, and then I had my two daughters, who are now 17 and 18 years old. Um, and once I had my second one, I realized I did not want to be in a nine to five type job and I wanted more flexibility. Um, so I basically just got my license when I was pregnant with my second one. And then I joined Keller Williams Northeast up on the north side of town, um, started in 2004 and ended up earning rookie of the year there and just knew that that was my calling. So I stayed in it and then moved back over to Sugarland in 2009 when the market crashed, um, took a little break, put my license on ice, I guess you could say, um, went back into multifamily for a little while, and then in 2014-15, I realized how much I truly missed it, and so I went back at it and joined Remax Fine Properties in Sugarland, and then in 2016-17 is when I got real serious and went, okay, it's game on time, so that's what led me to... <laughs> so I actually when I was in high school I knew that I wanted to do one of two things um, I either wanted to be in real estate or I wanted to go into accounting however when I graduated from high school the market for real estate was not good at all and so that led me to the accounting route I did corporate accounting management for seven years 
Um, I actually got laid off from that job. This was right around the um, Enron and WorldCom scandals. And so after that point, everybody wanted a CPA and I'm not a CPA. So I had a very, very difficult time getting a, a job. And so as a single mother, I did a one year stint selling industrial chemicals, which I absolutely hated. Um, and then after that, I met my now husband, who is also here supporting me and also runs my team. Um, and he and I had this harebrained idea that, hey, let's buy properties and flip them. Well, that actually never came to fruition. We've never flipped a single property. I've been in the business 17 years now. Um, we do obviously have real estate investments. Um, but we started, or I started my career in 2004 in uh, Dallas, in the Dallas area with Remax, and then when I got married to said person over there, he dropped a bombshell on me that he actually had accepted a position with one of NASA's contracting firms, and here we are today. So at that point, I started my real estate career over. Um, I knew nobody here. I have no sphere of influence that I, I could tap into here. I mean, it literally was from nothing. Uh, I stayed with Remax until January, I think, 31st, 2019, and that's when I joined DXP, and here we are today. Awesome, ladies. Thank you. So, my next question, who played a big part in your growth, Jennifer, and your success, and how? Oh, told you. See that? <laughs> this is what happens when you don't prepare. Um, who played a big part in my growth? Um, I would not say it's one single person. To be honest, I, I, well, no, that's actually not true. My brokers started a mastermind series and it was a book series and I am not a book reader at all. Um, well, all right, I wasn't a book reader <laughs> and the very first book that they recommended was Miracle Morning and I said this on Disruption Nation, I say this everywhere I go, just about, um, and it's about establishing your morning routine, and that was a big game changer, and then, it, and of course, part of it is reading every morning, and so from there, I went on, and I just kept reading books that would help either keep me motivated or give me business ideas, so yeah, I guess you could say it was my brokers, but honestly, I find a lot of motivation within um, business books. So if you're not a reader, start with Miracle Morning for realtors. He has all kinds of different ones, but the one the one for realtors is it's it's um, written in a story format, but something that we can relate to. So he he starts it off with the day in the life and the story of this realtor, and so it's easy and it's a very easy read. But highly recommend it because it was a huge game changer for me. Awesome. Everybody, write that down. I'm sure it's good reading. Okay, Monica, how did you, um, who, who was a big part of your success and your growth? Well, so I think I have to attribute that to two different people. The first one being the very first broker that I had back in Dallas. Um, he was an incredible mentor to everybody that was at his office. He had a very open door policy. He was always present and so I could walk in and say, hey, I don't even know how to show a property. Like, what is the etiquette here? Because if you know, nowadays, a lot of people don't have said etiquette in real estate. And so he essentially taught me a good deal of what I know. And so I, to this day, attribute my success or part of it 
to him, and I do tell him that uh, on Facebook still to this day. Um, I'd have to say the other person who contributed to where I am now and my success would be my husband. When he decided to start running my team, he hasn't always run my team, but when I, our, I guess our business was so high volume that I could no longer do both roles, he actually started taking over that part of it. Um, and he has a master's in computer engineering, so he was able to help me with online things, um, you know, search engine optimization, things of that nature. And so that is when my business really took off and it has never slowed down since. And that's probably been, I don't know, 12 years ago that you kind of took it over. <laughs> so thank goodness. So that's the two people. Awesome, thank you. Okay, Emma, so give me some type of zero cost approaches to lead generation. That's a good question because we did talk about this in our prep meeting. So um, I don't care about my gross volume. My broker says I should because then you appear in you know, different stats, but I don't care about my gross volume. I don't care about my gross commission. I care about my net the net of my business. I'm running a business as a businesswoman. This isn't a hobby. So, um, and I'm by myself. So I've only got a limited amount of my time to be able to spend on uh, dealing with leads. And I, I don't really want to buy leads. I don't want to really have people, you know, speak to me and say, Oh well, I've spoken to ten realtors. Will you will you help me for one percent? Will you will you give me back money? Oh, do you really know what you're talking about? I would much rather work in my sphere. So um, I do social media. I don't know that I do it awfully well, but I, but I do it well enough. So it's always. Um, and I, and I guess my broker. I'm going to answer that 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 question too. So. My broker really helped me because he said I was the secret realtor in year one because I wasn't really on social media. So, but I, I don't like seeing posts where people are constantly asking for business. I don't think that's very genuine and I try and put myself in somebody else's shoes and I wouldn't hire a service because somebody asked for the business. I would, I would be intrigued about the business if I could see a mix of what business they were doing, so you knew they were doing business, but then also, what else is it about that person that gives them the qualities that you think you'll be able to work together well as a team? I mean, shoot, you're gonna be 30 days in a contract, and then however long it, it takes you to either prep a listing or find a home, so. Where um, does your business come from? Um, it's, it's referrals, it's all a sphere of influence. You mentioned that you like to uh, do master gardening. Can you talk a little bit about that networking opportunity as a realtor? So my biggest guilt is doing something during the day that I enjoy doing. And it makes me feel terrible because when I was, when I was working in an alleged nine to five job in the oil and gas business, it was all about being in front of your laptop and, and on conference calls and talking about work even when I was in global accounts, which did quite a lot of entertaining, I never really felt that comfortable spending half a day on a, you know, playing golf. And <coughs> my, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things I realized when I was 
doing my classes, well, it would be kind of nice to find more like-minded people because like-minded people like working together. So I decided to go ahead and take my Master Gardener classes and, and I graduated and I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed working with the people and those people give me a lot of business. I mean, it's really, I, I've had a huge, my, uh, probably my biggest mm -hmm. uh, number of referrals has actually been from that group and it, I, I never ask for business. We're not allowed to talk about, I'm not allowed to email business, mm -hmm. but shoot, whilst you're sitting weeding in the heat of, you know, whatever, 100 degrees sweltering heat covered in mud, um, you, you get to be pretty good friends. There's no makeup, there's no, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of as good as it gets and it took me a really long time. You know, it's very genuine. <laughs> and so if you can really find people that you'd like to work with, and it's not a job, it's, it's, it's something that's enjoyable and it's something that you wanna get up for really early in the morning. I love Miracle Morning too, Hal mm -hmm. Elrod. And we saw him, did you see him? So I've never seen my husband so excited because I snuck him in to the Remax top 500 convention a few years ago and how Elrod was actually talking and he was absolutely inspirational. So yeah, I would recommend that book too. Awesome, so see, you know, you don't really think about it sometimes, but where we surround ourselves could be where your business comes from. What you do during the day, where you spend a lot of time, the people that you're around, those could be the ones that are gonna help you um, with more business and more opportunities and they know you they, they like you and they want to help you. So this is a good example of that. She got into something she really, really likes and look what it's done for her and her career. So thank you for that answer. Monica, I'll turn it over to you. Okay, remember I told you I was gonna ask you to repeat the question like 5,000 times. Well, here's time number one. <laughs> and you made me forget the question. <laughs> Something about lead gen. Was it the yes, first year? I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Yes, give us examples of zero cost approach to lead generation for those that are you know, just starting out or just going through some financial times right now and they still gotta get clients, but give us some ways that we could do it without having to spend so much money. So I love your idea, Emma. I think that that's a great idea for one thing, and, and I want to further the point that she made about not wanting to be sold on things because I think that that's how people are, and they want you to be a friend to them. They don't want you to constantly be shoving the fact that you're in real estate down their throat. Okay, they just don't. So on that note, um, I think one of the things that I did early on when I moved here, again, not in my career, I didn't start my career here, um, was to go out and get reviews from people, that's free. You can go on to Yelp and have, I mean, even if they didn't work with you, they can just lie and say they did, I guess. And so you can have people give you reviews. I actually do generate business from Yelp, not anything that I pay for. It is 100% just somebody found me on Yelp because of the number of reviews I have. I'm actually one, or at one point I was on their list of the top 10 realtors in Houston that would come up if somebody searched that and then Yelp would have top 10 list of realtors in Houston and I was one of them just because of my review count. So that is 100% free to anybody. Um, the other thing that I think that people forget to do is, and uh, there's mixed feelings on it, is go around and meet your neighbors, door knock, introduce yourself, tell them you're a realtor, just say, hey, I just live here, just wanted you to know I'm a realtor. Don't try to sell them that day and say, how many people can you refer to me? But obviously get to know these people. And I know, or I think 
National Night Out is coming up soon, and one of the big things you can do is maybe sponsor your neighborhood's National Night Out. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to have anything expensive there. You can just have some cheap little pens or something and get to know all your neighbors again. So I think that that's a really good way to get your name out there, especially if you were like me coming in with no sphere, because again, not everybody knows somebody where they live. And so those are my thoughts. Awesome. Go ahead, Jennifer, answer oh, that. I get this question too. Um, so first, I guess, well, there's a lot of ways that come to mind, but one that um, ended up becoming more of a, ended up becoming a blessing more than I realized it would was during Harvey, uh, so I live in Siena, and it's a master plan community, and it is like a s huge town, actually. <laughs> um, and so I didn't know what we were going to do, where we were going to go, and what resources we had if we really were going to flood. I mean, I've lived in Houston all my life. I've been through every single hurricane. I really wasn't that concerned about Harvey, to be honest with you. But I decided, you know, when we had to evacuate, we evacuated, some of us evacuated to the front of Siena. And not knowing what I was doing, I created a Facebook page, Sienna Strong, not a very creative name, but <laughs> Sienna Strong. And um, it's a private group. You have to live in Sienna. You only have to answer two questions. It's not Fort Knox. But um, basically, it's not a place for advertising. I've never used it for advertising whatsoever. Um, but my name is, is recognized now tremendously from the site. And I did not do it originally to create, get business from at all. It was more of a, how are we going to help the community? And so we got a lot, it just so much came from that. And now there's over 3,000, 3,500 members on this, within this group. And it's the source that a lot of people go to. We have neighbors pages, but those are, you know, where you complain about your neighbor's dog pooping in your yard. And... <laughs> I have no interest in that, so I literally, or, you know, if you need a recommendation, you hop on there, but I, I just <laughs> stay off that page. The latest yes. subject was um, banning garters and mums. That was, that, apparently people got kicked off, I don't know. But anyways, um, I digress. Anyway, so that was one, and then I'm still a big, you'll hear me, you know, don't reinvent the wheel, open houses. Open houses, if you do it right, you can lead, generate so much business from that so how do you do it right oh well okay you don't just show up and put out eight signs because it's 100 degrees outside and pray and hope that people walk through your open house after you've wasted three hours on sunday doing nothing because you've done nothing to build up to it so what what i did and this is when i started and i had no no sphere really either was i would contact other agents i would i would purposely set out to find homes that were fairly new on the market if possible and then only a couple turns off a main road um, I would market that property I would always give um, I would always give reference to the listing agent so if it was not my listing I always made sure to do proper etiquette and give them the, the you know the credit for the listing but a lot of people forget that a lot of people aren't going to read all that verbiage especially people that may, they might not be in the market yet for a home. They're just going to see your name and they're going to see a visual. So you make it pretty. I'm all about making it pretty. Um, and then you do, I do one, I'll do a post at the beginning of the week. Then I do another post um, further along and I do a different picture, same house, different picture. Not because I'm trying to be deceptive, but 
Maybe the exterior is going to attract one person and the interior is going to attract another. But guess what? Your outside public thinks it's two different open houses. So it just looks like you have more business. So um, that's just, I guess, a little inside tip to give you guys. And then our HOA allows it. So going back to that miracle morning, it's about getting up early. Um, we get up <laughs> between 4.45 and 5-ish. And we put out open house signs. And when I say we put out open house signs, this last weekend, the weekend before, we put out over 60 open house signs. And it might sound obnoxious. Well, maybe with people in our career, they kind of, eh. But I have to tell you, I've, I've received no backlash from the public. I get told all the time, hey, how'd you hear about us? I see your signs everywhere. They don't remember that it's an open house that they saw. They just saw, God, I see your signs everywhere. Oh, yeah, I know. I know who that is. So we put them out at 6 o'clock in the morning, basically, is when they all get out. I put them in front of Chick-fil-A. I put them in front of H-E-B, because everybody shops there on the weekends, or at least that's a prominent place. Um, we put them in front of the churches. So we're very strategic in our placement as well, but we're always respectful of other people's open house signs, too. So that's been something that's been a huge success for us is the open houses and the open house signs. And then, of course, making sure that you mark it and put it in heart, mm -hmm. along with making sure you're tracking where your traffic is coming from so that you know what's working. So also, I don't do a hard link on any of my social media. I design all my social media myself. I do a very Pinterest approach because I know who my audience is. My demographics in Siena are women between the ages of 33 and 44. So therefore, I make sure that all of my marketing has a really pretty visual effect to it. And that's also been very successful. If you're just putting a hard link, what's setting you aside from the rest? So anyways. That's really good information. Thanks for sharing that. I'm sure there's a lot that y'all have not heard before. Um, 60 signs, were y'all surprised by that answer? I was gonna say 25, but then again, Jennifer's sitting over here, right? So, get a partner. Um, I like getting up that early in the morning. What'd you think about that one? 4.45 to go put signs out? Mm, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but that is awesome. Um, and I kind of agree with her. Do open houses work? They absolutely do work. It's what you do to prepare for the open houses. I think most people would agree. So speaking of that, let's talk about, um, Emma, this one's for you. What are some of the challenges that you have encountered in your real estate career, and how did you work through these challenges? Um, I think my biggest challenge is probably myself. If I'm not feeling it and I'm not on my game, I have a bad quarter, um, and it always shows. And what causes that if I'm being off my game, will be a client. It's always a client. So um, my probably my the biggest mistake I've I've had is I went on a listing appointment. Actually, it was a master gardener wife. I met them both. I couldn't stand the husband. It was a complete a hole. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I'm sorry. You're but, good. Sorry, sorry, but. He was obnoxious. He was a realtor himself. And um, he told me he wanted to list his house for $1.2 million and it was worth 650. So I said, okay, well, thanks, but I I'm not gonna do it for that. So, you know, move on. 
So I left. He listed with somebody else. The pictures went up. That same day, he called me and he said, you know what? I'm so sorry. I've made a terrible mistake, a terrible mistake. You need to come and list my house. Please come and list my house. You're the person. And he went on and on about how great I was, blah, blah, blah. And I fell for it. And <laughs> sure, I didn't list it for 650, but we came to a happy medium. The house was still overpriced. And overpriced houses are fine, right? You can sit on a, you can sit an open house, you can you can bring business. My goal at the time was to increase. I didn't want to sell more houses. I wanted to sell higher value houses. So I had that plan. I'd done my luxury designation, blah, blah. So I, I, I start working with this couple. Worst down experience I have ever had. <laughs> the guy was worse than I thought he was when I first met him. So um, eventually, I fired him. I fired him, and I felt so damn good. <laughs> and within the contract he had signed, he had to pay me for my photography. Not that he ever so did. You won. It's very hard. So you won. That's all that matters. Uh, just, just letting go, being able to <laughs> let go of a, I mean, basically a toxic relationship was, um, <laughs> thank God. So uh, that would be my number one biggest piece of advice. If you've got somebody that doesn't value you, whether you're buying or selling, dump them immediately. It's just going to make you feel bad. And then everybody else, you know, you're just not going to be able to build business. Is it okay to turn down a listing? How do you feel about that? Ladies? Is it okay? Everybody agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I've definitely, yes, I have, you know, back when I first started, I would just take anything, you know? Oh, just I just need to get my sign in the yard. But if you take on a listing that is way, you know, you price it per the seller, well, they're just going to end up, oh, I forgot. Okay, I'm going to use good words. They're going to end up mad at you, <laughs> and um, you're not going to get referred. So basically, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So yeah, 100% agree. You, you're the one. Hey, you're the you're the professional in the business. They're hiring you for your service because of your experience and your expertise. So that's yeah. Anyways, I'll awesome, Monica. How do you feel about that? Is it okay to say no? Oh, absolutely. I think that the best client that you have is the one you don't work with. Um, because if you get into this working relationship with them, you're constantly going to be at odds with them, and nobody's happy. And I guess for those agents who are afraid to let the listing go, just let it go. If you've listed it and you feel like you're owed money and they've treated you horribly, just let it go. It's not worth your time and energy to stay with that client if it's not working out because you're wasting energy that you could be focusing on people who are good to you and who want to work with you and value you as the expert in the business. So again, it's just, you know, you've got to remember to be a professional and just part ways. And if you have a reimbursable expense clause, I've done the same thing, um, then more power to you. So, but if you don't, just let it go. Good answers. All right, my next question. What should agents be focusing on, Jennifer, their first year in this business? Oh, um, well, start with your sphere. If you don't have a sphere, I mean, really start with your sphere. They, there's so many stories I hear of people that, that are like, oh, I didn't even know you were in real estate or um, 
they ended up using somebody else because you just they didn't know you were really serious about it. So I would say definitely start with your sphere. Um, I'm real big on social media. I know Emma mentioned she doesn't, you know, and I agree with the whole you don't want to come across as that that used car salesman type approach, but they do need to know what you're doing. And you can, you, can you can put that out in a way that's a very visual, inviting way without making it look like, you know, you're some, once again, used car salesman, I guess is the best way to, to, to word it. And then if you don't have a sphere, do what I did. Just, you gotta go out there and get it. Track down the agents. Look at what the successful agents are doing too. I mean, I'm real big about, I had one guy call me and I was so impressed. First of all, I was like, what? You want to talk to me? Okay, I'll try. Um, and he started calling around to all the successful agents in Houston and just said, I want to know what worked best for you. I mean, we all know there's not the secret sauce. There's not one magic thing that everybody always wants to know. What's the one thing that led to your success? Um, but when you call around and, or you're talking to other agents, um, and getting and pulling from that, which is what's great about these master classes, you learn so much more from that. So, but big proponent on the open house is if you need to start somewhere because it's, I think, that one of the least expensive ways. I had a client that I just closed on a lot with a, about a week ago. She contacted me from an open house I held two years ago. She's like, I'm not sure if you're going to remember who I am. And I didn't um, because I met her one time through an open house. And she was like, but I still see your signs everywhere. And we have this lot. And we've decided not to build on it. And we'd like you to list it. Uh, never met them until closing. It was a lot. It didn't, we didn't have to be, I mean, it was one of the most pleasant, easiest transactions I ever did. And simply because I met them at an open house and they remembered me. And once again, being consistent on the signs. So Awesome. So Emma, why do you think agents give up on their real estate careers just after a few years? And what advice would you give them? Um, okay, well, I'm, I'm four years in. Right, so and you're doing I'm, very well. Well, but I'm kind of <laughs> in that deal, right? And, and, and it's easy to self-doubt yourself, but... Um, you need to have a mentor that's going to help you like right from day one, whether it's a team lead or your broker or somebody that's going to hold you accountable. They can actually tell you to go get off your ass. Oh, I said that word again. That's okay. We're raw today. Um, Don't worry about it. Because, you know, successful agent, we're not successful because we, you know, we do nice social media or we do open houses. It's because we work our asses off. We work all the time. I mean, Jennifer and I were texting at what seven o'clock this morning, but we'd already had our morning. We were already prepped and ready for the day, and we work. I mean, I, I work all evening. I work at the weekends. Uh, my assistant Jack, who is right here, just uh, joined me not so very long ago full time, and he's like, "What the heck?" So you have to, you know, it, number one is just keep going and and as Jennifer uh, said about the you know the open houses open houses bring business and don't be discouraged if you do a couple of open houses and not a lot of people turn up right mm -hmm. put out 60 signs and and do it again just keep going and going and and just work at it awesome 
So, ladies, explain to me how you start your day, except for Jennifer, because she gets up with the roosters. So we'll start with Monica. How do you start your day, Monica? What gets you pumped up, ready to go in this real estate career of yours? Well, it's not very exciting. So, and <laughs> so I, and this is going to sound stupid. So I have this thing. This is really how I literally start my day. I have this thing called a morning cocktail. No, it does not involve alcohol. Anybody who knows me probably would think it does. It does not. Um, but it's actually caffeine, and you leave it on your nightstand, and you drink it the minute you wake up so that you can get up and kind of get going. So that's literally how I start every morning. Um, at that point, and I am a creature of habit, if any one piece of this changes, the whole day is messed up. Well, maybe the first part of it. So um, at that point, get up. I go have more caffeine by way of a pre-workout drink, and while I'm doing that, I, I'm checking my email and responding to everything that's come in the night before. Um, anybody who knows me knows I don't conduct business after 7 o'clock at night because I want to obviously devote time to my personal life, my spouse, and just to decompress. I mean, you can't, people can't text me at 10 o'clock. They're not going to get a pleasant Monica. So um, once I check email, I go and I got to burn off that caffeine and I work out, and that is a habit. It's non-negotiable. My mornings are for me. They are not for my clients. Very rarely will you see me on an appointment prior to 11 o'clock in the morning, and that's simply because everything is very regimented. That's not to say if I have a client that's coming into town and they have two days to look at homes that I won't drop my morning workout. I will, um, obviously, for the client. Or if I have a closing, you know, obviously, you need to be there. But um, so, again, it's those consistent goals all the way down to the order in which I cook my egg white omelet, lay out my <laughs> supplements, and make my coffee. All of it very regimented. Love it. Okay, so, um, Emma, how do you start your morning? Not with any of that. <laughs> Although... <laughs> Come on round. That's why we're realtors. <laughs> oh, maybe we'd like to be a little bit more regimented. We have, in the house right now, we have seven dogs, and they're Border Collies. We do um, dog rescue, and so uh, we have a couple of fosters right now, uh, So they and they bark. So 4.30 in the morning, I get up if they're barking. If they're not barking, uh, between 6 and 7. I love, I've got a Peloton which I ummed and ahmed about for two years because, you know, it's kind of pricey. But um, I wasn't going to the gym and COVID and everything. So I got my Peloton. So I love working out in the mornings, but I don't do it every day. Um, I seem to spend a lot of time feeding dogs, grooming dogs, talking to dogs, <laughs> petting dogs. Um, but one thing I do do every morning is I go outside. Um, Otherwise, I, I kind of get too wrapped up in, in my work. So I go outside, I take my probably second or third cup of coffee out there, and I have apps on my phone. One, to identify bird song, which I love, and it's really nerdy, I'm sorry. And the other one is the iNaturalist app, because I, I do entomology as part of my master gardener. So it's all about bugs and little bugs that I can find. And then I share all of that with my, um, with my online social media, so I'm networking, I guess, uh, with my bug friends and my bird friends. And, and then I post a lot of pictures of dogs, as Jennifer probably knows, because we're Facebook friends. 
So, but I guess the biggest thing uh, relating to real estate uh, would be my lists. I'm a Virgo. I'm a fabulous list maker. I have goals and my go if I meet my goals, my goals change. So I have a goal, I have a daily goal, I have a weekly goal, I have a quarterly goal, I have an annual goal for myself and then for my business and then for anybody else around me if I can try and help them achieve the goals that I would like them to achieve. And, um, and so I write my list and it has to be handwritten, it has to be in a notebook. I found I can't do anything, I bought an iPad that you can write on, I don't like any of that. I like to be able to cross things off my list, it gives me a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. And I have stars, I hi highlights, little puppies. I have pictures of puppies and flowers and bugs. Plants. And pla yes, and, a, and, a, yeah, and I always have mud underneath my fingernails and hair all over my, yeah, hair on my pants. So <laughs> that's my morning. So it's, um, it's really not real estate related. It's just prepping my morning. It's actually, it is something for me that's not work, which is, normally a lot of dog and a lot of dog hair and dog slobber so completely different answers wouldn't you say that's what's so exciting about having different women up here and sharing how they start their days so we just touched on goals a little bit um monica how important is it to have goals and when should you be revisiting those goals I am probably the worst person to ask this question of. I, I never, ever write down goals. They're all right here in my head. Um, I guess that makes them changeable very easily on the fly. But I would say if someone is very, like, a visual person, I could see where writing your goals would be important. That way you look at it every day, kind of like a vision board, I guess. Tell us about some of your goals that are oh. in your head. Oh, well, one of my goals, and I told Taylor this two and a half years ago, one of my goals is to retire, or two and a half years ago, was to retire in about five years. And like I told Taylor the other day, I'm on a ticking time clock. Um, <laughs> were you going to say something? Running out of time. No, I was just going to say, I remember interviewing Monica, <laughs> and one thing she said about, it was kind of along the same lines of what we're talking about. And I was like, you know, what keeps you motivated? Are you competitive with other people in your office? And she was like, Nobody motivates me more than me. You know, the right. person I'm looking at in the mirror, like if I'm beating what I did last year, that is my biggest driving force. So I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about that because it kind of goes with the direction you're going. Well, I mean, and I think you said it very nicely, <laughs> but basically I've never viewed Jennifer or anyone in this room as my competition. Certainly you are my competition. I'm not saying that you are not. What I am saying in that, what Taylor just said is, when I look at what do I need to do, it's always to be a better version of what I was either yesterday, the week before, the month before, the year before. Um, and, in, and so my goals have always been, again, in my head, but I've always been, I was previously Remax, and so when I moved here, I said, oh gosh, I just, I just wanna hit 100% club. I know you know what that is. <laughs> so, um, and then that goal became, well gosh, I wanna get Diamond Club, and now I wanna be in the top 20 in the state of Texas for teams, and, and top 100 in the world, and worldwide with Remax, and I hit all of those goals. So they're always up here in my head. They're just not anything that I share with other people. They're just here for me, because again, I know every day what I need to do, and how to do it. 
it's just finding the motivation some days and some days it's harder than others so but the my big goal is obviously to not retire now that goal's changed a little bit thank goodness i didn't write it down <laughs> but um i don't want to retire because now i would only have two and a half years left to do that but uh, my full intention is to step back from the business and be more of a figurehead i have what i like to call grinded for oh gosh i've been here 13 years now i think and it has been daily some of my hours would be 16 hour days with a snack bar for lunch and I'm getting too old to do those things now, so stepping back and then retiring. Monica's hit all the uh, pinnacle awards and goals that she had with Remax, and I wanted to wanted you to talk real quick. I mean, how many of y'all have heard of EXP? Everybody's heard of EXP, right? How many of y'all have heard of EXP Flex? She's EXP Flex status. Zillow. Is it Zillow? Oh, Zillow. Okay. Yes. You want me to talk about Zillow Flex? For a second. I don't want to open a big can of worms, but yeah, touch, touch on it. <laughs> Well, so I know everybody in this room probably has an opinion on Zillow, um, but that is actually one of the big reasons for my success is partnering with Zillow many years ago. Um, it, we went through a phase where the ROI in the very early days when they started selling leads, and I think they had different levels, that's more of his department, he runs that, not me. Um, we had a fantastic ROI, and then they merged with Trulia, and that ROI dropped. And so I think, Jennifer, you said you had been with Zillow, and so you know you can speak to your ROI is not always that great. But so we were paying for leads, and up until April of this year, when I was invited, it is uh, an invitation only. You are accepted. You are scrutinized in your business. Zillow looks at how you treat the consumer they rate or they give them surveys to rate you. They ask, would you work with this person again? Um, and if you don't score well, you never get an invite, which is to the Zillow Flex program, which means I don't pay for Zillow leads anymore. They give them to me. They are on a referral basis. So essentially I still pay, but if I don't close it, I don't pay. So that's, it's been a game changer for us because we were paying how much at the highest? $70,000 a month for Zillow leads. Yeah. And so to not have to pay that anymore is a blessing. So, but like I said, I know a lot of you are like, nope, I wouldn't do it. But if you knew how much money I made just on Zillow alone, I, I make a lot. And so you have to look at the bigger picture. Yes, you are paying for that lead, but that lead that I paid for, let's just say I paid for a buyer lead three years ago, and in that three years, they've referred five people a year to me, and they've also bought and sold other properties. Well, I didn't pay for that business. Monica, that who's working those leads for you that you're getting? Who's working them? Do you have a big team working these leads for you? So under the flex, well, so last year, the 117 million, that was a six-person team, including myself. I do most of the listings on the team. Um, but under the Zillow Flex program, you have to scale the team if they're going to give you business because if you can't convert the leads, they will take the leads from you and they'll go find another Zillow Flex agent who can convert them. So it's a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. um, and that burden has fallen on my husband, unfortunately. But the, the people working them, because Zillow leads are really more buyer driven. Like I don't pay for listing leads, even though I did 104 transactions personally last year they were predominantly listings i don't pay for listing leads sellers come to me because they find me on you know online through different sources but it's my team that is working the zillow flex leads and so right now 
we have two levels of a team. We have the team and we have partner agent. The partner agents are not officially on my team. They're a try it before you buy it in joining my team. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're at about 40 agents right now. What do you look for in a team when you uh, meet with an agent that's interested in coming to work with you? What are your, what's your criteria? Let me get a 60 seconds before you answer that real quick. Guys, don't, if you don't mind taking care of Cadillac Bar, because they're taking care of you, the kitchen, the chefs, they're ready for us. And I just want to make sure we get our orders in before. Circle what you want. They're, uh, just, there's a little paper clip. Put your credit card there so they can run it and get it back so you're not done eating and waiting for them to bring your card back at the end. Um, but, yeah, that is it. If you're learning anything from, uh, from beautiful women up here, <laughs> love it. We had all guys last month. We got all women this month. Then, uh, yeah, please stay, hang out, have lunch with us, and we're looking forward to that. We'll be staying and... I think that's it on that. So there's a handful of them taking taking your uh, your orders, and we appreciate you. Okay, all right. What do you look for when you're uh, when you're bringing question. somebody? That's when okay. You're, when no you're bringing problem. somebody on your team, what do you, is that? Was that right? Oh, yes. When you bring somebody on your team, what is the criteria that you're looking for? So originally, I and again, I don't run my team anymore. It's been a blessing to not have to do that. So. Originally, when I formed the team, I wanted women who I would look at their production because I'm nosy like that, and, and it, they would always come to me. I don't, I would not reach out to people to join my team. They always came to me. I would look for women who were very outgoing. They maybe did ten deals a year, but were looking to do more. And the, to me, that told me that. They had the drive and the wherewithal. They just didn't have the knowledge to get their own business. And so they came to me because I give my team the business. I give my buyer's agents. My buyer's agents, the top ones, make over 300000 a year, and that's after splits with me. So they're, they, they earn a lot of money. They have that drive. But now that we've shifted and I no longer run the team, it doesn't, I have no say in it. So I don't even, yeah. some, I think you asked me or somebody asked me earlier who was on, how many people I had on my team and I'm like, I have no idea. So, um, but anyway, now there's a two-step process. They have to talk to my lead ISA, inbound sales agent. She um, asked them, I guess, a series of questions to kind of fill them out to see if they would be a good fit. And then they also talk to, we have a coach for our team to coach the agents that we bring on. Because again, I can't be in that capacity. I'm still very heavy in the business, but uh, that's the two-step process. If they say thumbs down, they don't even get a chance. Okay. Jennifer, do you have a team that surrounds you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I have to say that, you know, I was an individual agent for a very long time. I never joined a team. I started off, I made all the rookie mistakes at a very slower rate than I would have if I would have joined a team. Um, I am pro team all the way now, um, mainly because it just creates more leverage and balance with our time now because you have people you can rely on and they can rely on you. So, um, but I'm not, um, you know, mega team at all. We're small little family and I've not recruited. I've never recruited. I've had people approach me. Um, and there's, you know, we, we kind of got this tight knit thing going for a while and there's no drama and no toxic, no nothing. So I became very protective about bringing anybody else on. Um, so, but I'm a little more open to if the right fit was to come along, I think um, we'd be open to it some more. So uh, there's small teams so and there's sorry. big teams. <laughs> no, good answer. 
So what would you say to the audience, it's important to always remember, Emma, as a real estate professional? I told you we were. What is important to remember, I guess I would say, 24-7 as a real estate professional? The client comes first, always, always. Elaborate I, on that. Um, so I, uh, I do uh, a lot more listings than the buy side, especially this year. I told my buyers, like, step back. This is a terrible market to be buying. Let's not do it. Um, and I get a lot of offers in. And as we're negotiating, I get an instant response from the agent. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. That's your, that's your response. That's not your client's response. Um, our egos should not get in the way of a buyer-seller relationship. Even though we're at arm's width, I just see too many. Um, I just see too many uh, agents in there that want to control, or you know, it, we guide our clients. We should give them all of the professional advice and knowledge that that we have, but. It's, it's not our decision at the end of the day. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing. How do you feel about realtors and how they present themselves on social media? Do you think that there should be um, some rules maybe um, where someone is a realtor um, and then there's maybe some photos or videos of them maybe just enjoying themselves on an evening out? Uh, what would you say to realtors to make sure that they always remember who they are as realtors in Texas? I don't care what you all do. I only, the only thing I control is what I put out there. If you all want to like, do whatever you want to do, that's on you, no problem. But I will tell you this one thing. I picked up an investment client last year. And it's just leases, but they're really nice people, so whatever. And eventually they're going to sell those homes and then work some more. They called me and they said, hey, we would like to work with you. I used to know her like 15 years ago. Um, we see you doing well, blah, blah, blah. We have a realtor, but we don't want to work with her anymore because we don't agree with her political viewpoint that she's always spouting on social media. So for me, I don't talk about religion. I don't talk about politics. I do talk a lot about dogs. <laughs> Everybody loves dogs. I put dogs in my listing pictures. I donate to dogs. My tagline is finding people in their pets' homes. And I had the similar situation as Jennifer. I met this lady at an open house uh, three years ago and then helped her last year buy a house. And then this year I've helped her daughter uh, buy a house. And the reason she chose me, she said, I went to like 50 open houses, but you donate to animal charities off your commission. And we talked about dogs and cats at the open house. I remembered that. You were very passionate. So, um, you know, open houses work. Don't talk about religion, politics, or, um, or anything else that's... Uh, How important is charity? How do you give back? To dogs. 
I'm on the board of a border collie rescue group, and I foster. Um, it's not, I don't foster. We, as a family, foster. We've had 70 dogs through our house. So 70, that's a lot of dogs. 17 or 70? 70. Oh, my word. So we've done a lot of fostering. We've kept a few along the way. We have five of our own. So not, they don't all leave. And, and we have spend a lot of time debating on every single foster whether we can really bear to keep them up, give them up. <laughs> but um, giving back... Is, is really important. And, and we've, uh, you know, as a panel, we've talked about um, giving back to the community. Sienna Strong would be an example. Um, it's, you know, if you give to the community, people will know who you are. My master gardener group, I'm, um, I, I chair one of the gardens. That's volunteering for the community. We have a food bank, we grow vegetables, we give back. So, you know, yeah, I think, I think giving back to the community is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Jennifer? Well, I, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big proponent. I, I, I actually give a lot, but I don't, I don't really share what I do. Um, but I, and I also am not dedicated or committed to one specific charity per se. I mean, there's been times I, I was connected with a mom that was fighting cancer and I paid her rent and didn't say one word about it because I just, and there's nothing wrong with also making it known that you also give because I do think it's important that you do give some sort of impression that you do do commit and, and, and give back to the community. But um, I find that if I commit to a specific organization, it doesn't feel as um, genuine, I guess you could say. It starts to become where it just feels like it's more expected maybe. Mm -hmm. So I really, but I, I, I I try to stay very cognizant when an opportunity is in front of me for someone that's in need. And maybe it's not a donation I'm making to an organization, but maybe it's, you know, I gave the dishwasher and the bathroom. Yeah, I talk to everyone. Um, you know, anyways, so I just, it's, it's, it's looking at those opportunities and trying very hard to also to really get to know people and, 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 making sure that you know we're we're blessed in the industry that we're in and we have the capacity to make an amount of money that that most don't and i feel that we're given that opportunity so that we can give back to other people and i feel like when you do do that it does come back on you you don't do it for that reason but i have to tell you every time i've ever given it always seems to immensely come back to me so Oh, you want me to answer too? Sure, Monica. <laughs> so um, I also agree to give back whether your time or money to charitable organizations. Um, one of the ones that we did for years, I don't think we've done, we did it last year, but uh, is uh, Community and Schools Bay Area. So I'm in the, obviously, the Clear Lake, League City, Friendswood area. And uh, this is a group that supports at-risk children, so it helps keep them in school. Um, we've donated or sponsored the margarita machine. Again, I like to drink, if you didn't pick up on that. Um, and so we've done things like that, the wine tasting event. But I recently have been donating money to the Starlight Outreach Center, which is a shelter 
Um, they bring in animals that are injured. They bring in animals that are not wanted. And somebody's got to fund the surgeries for these animals. And if I could do it, and I even think I said this before, I would save all the animals, but I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> so I'm spending it on Zillow. Oh, not anymore. That's right. So, um, but so anytime I see a cute little kitten that maybe needs surgery or a little dog that needs something or a big dog, I don't really care. I will just go and donate $250 here or $250 there. I'm sure it adds up. It doesn't matter. Um, one of the things I also did recently is there's a, um, a group on Facebook and a woman had gone on and she was asking where she could find business clothes for her high school daughter. She had a debate class. She said, she's a double zero. Where can I find these kind of clothes? And I thought, well, once upon a time, a couple of years ago, I was a double zero and I still have these suits. And so I just messaged her. I said, hey, I've got suits. I'm happy to take them to you. You don't need to give me anything for them. They're 100% free. So I gave her $700 worth of suits, and she sent me a picture of her daughter ready for her debate, and I thought that that was really nice. I didn't, I'm not looking for anything in return on that. She just said thank you, and I said, oh, that's awesome. You know, I hope she does well. And so that's what it's about is reaching out to your own community and, and trying to help them where they need the help. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Very heartwarming stories. Jennifer, I'll start with you. Give us three words that describe you your beliefs and your motivation talk about a hard question wow thanks um <laughs> ooh. three words that okay i'm gonna have you repeat it because i want to make sure okay. I answer this correct, three correctly. words that describe, describe you me. your beliefs and your motivation oh three words that describe me um it's funny because i immediately think personality right but then you said motivation and oh, just be honest so god and no that's not a cliche answer um i have full faith in that um also i am a very i don't, I don't even know if this is going to make sense so i don't know if i'm answering your question correctly but i'm an outgoing person i'm a extrovert but also introvert <laughs> um, I talk to everyone so I consider myself a very outgoing person I'm always trying to make friends um, everywhere I go um, I've got Facebook friends from almost every vacation I've ever been on I want to be your friend in the bathroom I mean I just connect with everybody I possibly can my kids make fun of me um, so outgoing. What, who and what motivates you who or what motivates you um, well my daughters Okay, that came from nowhere. Uh, don't make us cry. So um, there was a point that I was also a single mom, and I got down to 100 bucks in my account, had to borrow money a little bit. Well, I'm sorry, let me back that up. I got down to a very low amount in my account. I ended up having to borrow 100 bucks from a friend to pay an electric bill one time. And granted, I'll take responsibility for kind of getting myself there. I could have picked myself up a lot sooner. Um, so the, the, that's what motivated me was I will never, ever do that again. Also, I want, my daughters are now 17 and 18. I am able to provide for them. I'm not dependent on getting child support or anything of that sort. Um, it's nice to be able to take them on vacation. 
vacations and to buy my daughter's sorority dresses, which Lord knows that adds up. Um, but to be able, for them to be able to see that I've did the, done this on my own. So they were, they've, they've been my true motivators. That's beautiful. Thank you very and much. And I'm not crying, that. you're crying. No, no, it's, it has to come from the heart because we all have reasons and people who motivate us and keep us strong every day. And um, as realtors, we have crazy schedules and crazy clients. And, you know, you have to dig deep sometimes to see what your real motivation is. So, Emma, what is your real motivation? Well, that was, was going to be really hard to beat. <laughs> um, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't do this job without those around us accepting that you get a call on, you know, a Monday night to go show a house that's an hour away. And if you got somebody yapping in your ear that this is not acceptable and it's not good, then you, you're going to feel guilty and, and things aren't you know, things are just not going to work. So I think my family have been a really big motivation for me. Just my biggest cheerleaders. Um, the words, I guess, to describe me are honesty and integrity. Um, probably maybe a little far being too honest. But you know what? I, I call a spade a spade, and, and, and that's kind of how it is. And... and I, I, I can't change. I don't want to change. So uh, them, they're my words, and, and I, I guess my family has been my motivation. Plus my dogs. Did I mention dogs? The dogs? Yes, so the dogs. Although the lady who came back to me after three years did complain because she didn't like dogs, and she said, could you maybe include cats in your donation? So I did add another charity that rescued everything from rabbits, guinea pigs, cats, dogs, everything, local to Fort Bend. Wow. And I'm helping her buy a house, actually, so that worked out pretty good. You have to stay motivated. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right, Monica, so I'll ask the question again. Give us three words that best describe you, your beliefs, and your motivation, and you can get past three words. So the three words, um, and they, to me, they kind of tie together, but the first one is just grit, um, having grit in this business and, and coming from nothing, like Jennifer said, I, as a single mother, um, I went through a really bad divorce and he drained the bank account 100%, left me with $0 and left me with the house payment though. And I had just lost my job the week before. So um, that's when I left the accounting world. And so like you said, pulling yourself up, up out of that, you, it's a mindset. You have to be able to get beyond that. Um, if you can feel sorry for yourself all day long, but it's not going to pay the bills. And so, um, again, real estate was not meant to be a career initially for me. It was meant to be a flipping business that never happened. Um, but so grit is the first one. And then, and my husband loves this one, um, um, passive income. So I don't want to sell real estate the rest of my life. I don't want to be a 75-year-old woman with my walker, and I can't go up the stairs. I don't have an easy time going up the stairs now, but I don't want to do this forever. And so that was a big reason for me leaving 
the Remax brand is because I wanted to go to EXP and it has opened up many avenues of passive income for me. Everything from um, I have interest in a title company, I have revenue uh, share, I have stock awards that they give me just for doing what I already do, which is sell real estate. Even down to my husband and I became accredited commercial real estate investors recently, and we are investing in the rehab of a 400-unit apartment complex. And so these are things, again, you can't just rely on commissions for the rest of your life. You have to have other streams of income because this is a business that is ripe for disruption, and if you don't think it's happening, it is. You see it all around you every day. So again, just go out, try to find other ways to earn income. They can all tie into your business, obviously. Like I just said, they all tie into my business. But that's going to be the catalyst to get me out of this business and, and let my team, who are all younger than me, live their best lives and do all the business at that point. You mentioned something about challenges and why it's important to have other streams of income, which I completely agree with that. It is a very challenging time in our market right now. What would you say to an agent right now that's really having a hard time getting up in the morning and just getting motivated and excited about starting their day and growing their real estate business? Emma? We'll start with you. Join a team. Okay, elaborate on joining yeah. a team. And dogs, obviously dogs. <laughs> Because the dogs will get you up at 4.30 and they'll love you no matter what. That's true. No, but you, you need to have uh, an accountability partner. So whether that's being on a team to help you get motivated or having a great broker. My broker's phenomenal. Our broker is phenomenal. And every time I walk out of his office, I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm all motivated. I've got new ideas. Um, he's put me in my place. Like, this is great, but why didn't you do this? So it, it's just people. It's, it's having that, those people that will believe in you and help guide you. Um, it's, it's tough to do this, it, to run any business by yourself. So you feel that either a mentor or someone that you can just pick up the phone and talk to or walk into their offices and tell them you need some help today. It's uh, been a tough morning and um, I just got some bad news on a closing I thought was going to happen and there went my um, electricity bill payment. Um, you know, we go through that. So um, what do you think is, is good to remember when you get up in the morning, no matter how tough your day could turn out to be? What keeps you going? Because we all have those days. So Jennifer, I'm going to let you answer that one and then Monica can answer. So basically, if y'all haven't heard, I'm sure most of y'all have heard being in this industry, you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Evaluate who are you surrounding yourself with. Are you, a, a, a counselor once told me, you know, you have friends that are a mission trip or you have friends that are a vacation. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who's going to pick you up if you hit a downslope? I actually recently especially, have really tried to be very cognizant in who I am choosing to spend my extra time with now. I want like-minded women. I want women that are, it's nothing wrong with stay-at-home moms. I was a stay-at-home mom too, but right now that's not who I'm necessarily, I don't relate to that anymore. So I want to be with professional women. They don't have to be realtors, 
but I have some great friends that are total boss babes, total go-getters, and I find that anytime I'm in their presence, even if it's just for a glass of wine or, or we're having lunch or picking up the phone, I always leave there with so much more motivation and positive energy, and it just helps me refocus it or redirect or, or reset, you could say. Um, if you are choosing to be around people that are not getting up, you've got colleagues you're meeting for lunch every day or going to all the free happy hours and everything else, if those people aren't producing, you need to find some other people to hang out with because they're bringing you down, they're not lifting you up. So that would be my best, my best tidbit of advice as far as that goes. Thank you. Monica? Repeat the question, please. <laughs> What was the question? <laughs> if you, how do you get up in the morning when you've had a challenging day and things just didn't go like you thought they were going, especially because I know you are on a routine, so, oh, God forbid, if something goes wrong, how are you going to pick yourself back up and handle that? So that goes back to the mindset. Even if I'm having a bad day, that doesn't matter. There's a routine, there's a pattern, and I follow that pattern every day. But I think if you are not in that mindset or you don't have that routine, A, just start building healthy habits. Every morning I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. But the first thing I always do when I wake up is be thankful that I woke up because not everybody does. The second thing that I do, um, and I, it, I don't get to do it unfortunately as much in the peak season of the business, but I'm an advocate in meditating, not medicating, meditating, um, because I think that that helps you get into that mindset. Again, eliminating negative beliefs about yourself, about your business and things like that. When you start building those same healthy habits, and again, meditation does do that for you, and I'm not talking sit there and do alms for 25 minutes. You can listen to a guided meditation, which is what I do. And even if it's as short as five minutes, it just, it clears your mind. It helps you, again, refocus your energy. And then you can start getting into those healthy habits. So even if I'm having a bad day, the day is still the day. It's, but like I said, if the regimen changes, like if my husband gets in the way while I'm making my egg white omelet and laying out my supplements, he gets shooed away. So he knows that if he is in the way, he's going to mess up that habit. Yeah. So I have to kick him kind of out of the way. So it's, it's just That's habit. why he's sitting over there. <laughs> he's ready. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, ladies. Um, all right. So a lot of you have talked about really great ideas, you know, reading books and things that kind of motivate you. So when you hear the statement, knowledge is power, what does that mean to you, Jennifer? Describe what knowledge is power means to you. Well, I'd say it's pretty direct and simple. <laughs> um, you, you know, the more you educate yourself, the more you're going to grow. Um, when I was, when I first decided, I was like, this is like full force, game on, nothing's going to hold me back. I did a lot of self-teaching as well. So, you know, you have all this free time. You're like, okay, I can only do so much marketing on social media and I can only do so many calls to my sphere or note cards or whatever it may be. I was also going online or, well, online really. I wasn't really into books yet. Um, and really trying to educate myself on ways that I could improve my game. So I had kind of Facebook. I had my, you know, Facebook friend following or whatever you may call it. And then Instagram, I started getting pretty a pretty good set of 
followers, nothing compared to the influencers, so by all means, I'm not bragging here. Um, but LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn was also a big game changer for me. I was like, how do I get more engagement on LinkedIn? So I went and I spent, y'all, I probably spent a day and a half researching everything I could figure out on LinkedIn. And I went in and I did what I guess you could call a steroid boost. Um, LinkedIn is very, very similar to Google Analytics. It, it takes keywords from your, from your profile. And so I redid my LinkedIn, um, added everything I could fill out on there. I'm a big proponent, by the way, you guys. All these free sites that you can go in and at least just put your picture on your profile. It's free. Realtor.com, homes.com, those, those offer free portions of it. So take advantage of where you can put your face. Um, but as far as LinkedIn goes, I did, I did the LinkedIn thing. And the following weekend, I got a call from an agent out of Arizona that said, hey, I've got this opportunity in Houston. It's a huge corporate company that wants to sell their single family homes off. And, um, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, he's just got a product here. He's trying to get more realtors to help promote. No, he connected me with the vice president of this company. He was already doing it for them in Arizona. And he connected me because of my LinkedIn account with him. I mean, my LinkedIn account. He told the vice president he knew me very well and that we had done business together. Never met the man. Um, but I got business from that like four days later and it ended up turning into a huge ordeal which led me to hiring my assistant. So if you're not busy right now, educate yourself, get online, start researching things, figure out what the trends are and educate yourself as best as you can. But I'm also a big proponent now in books too. So. Awesome. So, Monica, what, what books or magazines or what do you look forward to read um, to keep you up to date with our current market? So, like you said, I am not a reader. <laughs> I don't like reading. Um, I just purchased a book, and honestly, I don't even remember the name of the title, but it's about, and this is going to help me kind of get into my next role on the team, it's about understanding the people that you're talking to and why they respond to you the way that they do. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a great thing, not only, for, it's not really a realtor book, obviously it's not real estate related, but um, I think that that is key for us to know why are people responding to us in the way that they are and, and how could I handle things differently if it's not the response I'm looking for. And so I've only read the first chapter, but I've only had the book for a week, okay? So I'm getting there, baby steps. Um, and then as far as the knowledge is power question, I mean, again, that's kind of self-evident. Knowledge is power. Um, when I started in this business back in 2004, I tried to learn everything that I could learn as a new agent. Like I said, down to how to show a house. I didn't even know how, what, what's the protocol? Like, what do I do? And so I tried to learn everything that I could. But one of the things I love to read the Texas Realtor website. I know that sounds crazy. I used to read the, the legal FAQ and just like every single thing and they change them every now and then. And I will read their little questions. And, and so I did that early on from the beginning in my career. And I think that that helped me understand the contracts better because one thing they teach you, or I should say don't teach you in real estate school is how to write a contract or read it. They just tell you, hey, here's your one to four family. So, um, so I did that, read the legal FAQ. Um, I know my contracts forwards and backwards. I can get my clients out of 
issues that my buyer's agents may have gotten them into or let them get into just by knowing every little loophole in that contract. I'm not saying I'm an attorney by any stretch of the imagination, um, but you do need to know clauses that can get you and your client or get your client out of the contract. And then one other thing I did um, as far as knowledge is, uh, again, back in 2004, David Knox was a huge coach and trainer and I watched every single video that he had put out on how to uh, overcome objections, how to answer questions, just all kinds of things. And so again, I just soaked it in like a sponge. And I think that that helps, you know, translate to how you work with your clients. Even now, 17 years later, I still use what I learned from David Knox back in 2004. I mean, it's the data doesn't change, the points don't change. His hairstyle and video may have changed, but that's about it. Thank you, good response there. Emma, define what success means to you. Your dogs, I know. Yep. Happy dogs. Um, so success, uh, I have financial goals, of course. I have like a gross commission, I have an, a net on my business. Um, but really, uh, you know, just having a, a nice work-life balance mm -hmm. is very important. Um, and yeah, just more rescuing more dogs. I mean, it's really that's that's a very successful hobby. I think I, it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it, yes. Okay, awesome. I would like to have a good hair day one day. Hair day, you're like in Jennifer's. Houston. It isn't going to happen. I always look at Jennifer's. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jennifer, define success. What is, what is success to you when you hear that word? Um, success to me is, so, is, I guess the best way I could say it is maybe leverage. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of almost steering in your direction too, is getting to that point where it's not necessarily, I mean, yes, I have goals and I have, um, you know, financial goals I set for myself and levels I set for myself, but it's also knowing that it's not always about that number. It's not always about the dollar amount. Um, my daughter graduated this, my oldest daughter graduated this past year. I was a senior in high school and I knew that, you know, trying to set some aggressive goal against my goal from last year was probably, it's attainable, but what am I going to sacrifice? Because can I tell you how many times my daughters would come home from school at 3 o'clock, come in my office and say, what's for dinner? And I'd say, get out, because it's 3 o'clock, and you're probably making your own dinner tonight, like you do every night. <laughs> so, so I told myself uh, this this. This, this beginning of this year when it started to become very real that she was leaving, I told myself that I would not sacrifice my time with her. So success is getting yourself to a point that you can not base it on your dollar amount, but the leverage that you created from all the grind that you put in up front. And that's exactly where I believe um, she's talking about as well is you know, yeah, don't, ugh, oh, I don't want to do all the work. Oh, I don't want to put all the hours in. Y'all, I'm telling you, it's so worth it. It is so worth it because it's not permanent. It's not your permanent situation. Couple years, if you put in that work, you will create 
an opportunity where you are able to, you're, you, you become reputable. It just creates so many more opportunities and then that's when you get to really get your balance again. And it's still, it's still a little bit of a challenge. We're just in an industry that that's always gonna be a, a challenge, but su that, that's success for me. Success was being able to have all these opportunities with my daughter this year and to give her this ridiculous graduation party that I had probably more fun at. Um, but you know, like things like that because I worked so hard. So anyways, I digress. Awesome. All right. Well, I hope y'all have enjoyed these women on the panel today and taken some good notes. I'm going to turn it over to Taylor now. Yeah, well, go ahead and give it up for him. Give it up for him real quick. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Killing it. Amazing job. Amazing job. Before we get out of here, they're going to bring our food in about 10 minutes. So uh, Q&A, if anybody has a question, raise your hand. I'll come over with the microphone, uh, name, company, and what your question is for uh, these women up here. Hi, my name's uh, Anthony Corridori. I'm with uh, Mighty Dog Roofing, um, based in uh, Stafford, Texas. So Jennifer, I'm real close to Sienna. I actually yes. live in Sienna. I do see your signs everywhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Um, but uh, thank you for coming. Um, you know, so even, even though I'm not a realtor, I, a lot of the stories you guys told today in terms of how you drive your business, the process orientation, yeah. your management operating system, just how you guys drive success, things that we can even bring to, to my business. And so I question I thought that everyone could learn from is kind of what was the biggest mistake you guys have made and then, then how did you recover? I actually had that question for them, but they said we make mistakes all the time. So I skipped <laughs> that question. But now you gotta answer it. I, I think the biggest mistake that we've made is in the agents that we've brought on to the team. Um, you know, we're, we're not perfect, obviously, even though we have steps that we go through to interview these agents. There's always one who will tell you everything you want to hear and is great at it. And then you find out six months, six weeks, whatever, that this person despises you as the team leader or is upset about something. And it starts building that toxicity within the team because that is the most detrimental thing to a team um, is to have one toxic person because they can spoil the whole bunch. And so, so we have brought on a couple of those, and they're not with us, obviously, anymore. And that's okay. I wish them well. I wish them well in their career. Uh, it just didn't work out. Okay. Emma wanted to answer this, she said. <laughs> so I think I already answered it at the very beginning. Um, don't let someone stroke your ego because your gut impression is always right. I am, my gut always tells me whether I'm going to instantly like somebody or be like, ooh. And I was like, ooh, with this guy. And he, he just flattered me. And, you know, I, I should never have wasted my time. Wrecked a quarter. I could have used my time, you know, much more wisely somewhere else. But again, it's all mindset. It's all how you feel about yourself. And, and if you're running a business, I mean, whether it's roofing or real estate, you better be on your A game every day. Awesome. Great question, by the way. Anybody else? This is your time. All right. So I'm, I'm Chad. I think we met you before. So uh, uh, the question is, um, one time I went into a house. You know, we always knock on the door, ring the doorbell, whatever, and uh, say, Inspector, anybody here? Hello? We were there for like an hour 
doing inspections, me and another guy. And uh, when we went in the master bedroom, there was somebody in the bed. <laughs> so I was wondering, what is your most embarrassing moment whenever you were looking? Okay, Emma, I guess you get to start with that one. While you're thinking about that, if anybody has a question, we got time for one more after the, after the answer. I don't know if this is embarrassing, but I have an inspector. Uh, I have a worse inspector story. So we were doing a deal. I was representing the buyer. Uh, we came to an agreement at about 8.30 in the evening. We were fully executed. And um, the inspection company works late, or at least the office manager does. So I managed to book an, an inspection for 9 a.m. the very next morning. I called her. I left a voicemail. I sent a text message. I sent an email. And I said, hey, great news. As I said, we can do inspections early. We're going to do them at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Then I get a call from my inspector at about 9.30, and he's pissed. And he said, the police are here. Um, they just released the handcuffs. I had five guns pointed at me. He had his inspector name on his hat. He had it on his shirt. He was running a tub. He was running in the shower. The oven was on. The dishwasher was on. Um, the sink was running in the kitchen. And he had the heat going in the house. And the homeowner did not know that he was there. And he had left. He was walking his dog. And so he called the cops. And the cops showed up and busted in the house and pulled guns on him and then put him in handcuffs. That poor guy. Yeah, and he could not complete my inspection. I don't think we so, could top that one. That's a pretty serious one there. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. So Can I had anybody to buy top him. that, I, ladies? Well, no? Not with handcuffs. <laughs> okay, I think Taylor said there's time for one more question. Come on, one of you realtors has have, to have a question. I have a question. Right oh, someone. Oh, wow, okay. I'm here. Uh, my name is Teresa. I'm with uh, Jay Parla Sears Group. I'm actually one of uh, Rose's mentorees. Um, she's amazing, by the way. <laughs> um, my question is to Monica and Jennifer. If you guys had to move to a new city or location today um, without a sphere, how would you guys start in today's crazy market? Great question. That's funny that you asked that question because we were just talking to somebody yesterday about that and we were very blessed when we started or relocated here from Dallas that I already had a web presence there and no one, at least in my market down in Clear Lake, had a web presence at all, nothing. I think there was like one or two people. So we were fortunate in that regard that we, it was really, and I hate to say the right we were there at the right time, um, but it was. It was just a catalyst of things. In all honesty, I think if I had to move and start over again, which I would never do, I'd probably just go into a different career, maybe something with dogs or something. I don't know. Um, I think I would have to go back to the basics. Um, and, and again, I, I don't. Somewhere along the way in my career, in 17 years, and the amount of volume that we've done, you forget that it's about people because you're so into the daily grind that you're like, this is a people business and a relationship business. And so 
I would have to probably just go back and start networking with people. Special interest groups is a great one. Um, again, I would have my Yelp reviews, yay, and Zillow and all of that, but it would be almost impossible to buy into those kind of things like I did back in the day. So it's not something I really want to do. Um, well, yeah, just to piggyback and not to be repetitive, but truly open houses. Um, I know everybody hates those words. They're like, she says that word one more flipping time. I caught myself. Um, I love Jesus. I might cuss sometimes. Um, anyways, um, no, so open houses, but I do, I think it's 100%. I actually affirm what she says, and, and that is getting out and getting to know people. So if you don't know anyone, find what interests you. I mean, if you go to church, go to church. If you and, and, of course, I'm not saying you go and go, hey, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a realtor, but start making those um, connections, get involved in maybe whatever your community offers. Um, but, yes, shaking, shaking hands and breaking bread and trying to meet people, and that that's probably where I, I feel confident that's where I would start, but I would do the open houses. And I was going to say this, too. When I first started the open house sign thing, I only started off with like 10 or 12. And when I designed them, I put my face on it because my broker's like, your, your face needs to be on everything. So I, I did it. And it was a little outside my comfort zone. And when the, the signs came in, I went, oh, my Lord, like, there's my face. Like, I don't know. And, and let me tell you, my community, they can be, uh, it can be a little hard sometimes. So I was like, oh, gosh, this is going to be awful. They're going to eat me up and spit me out. And uh, I put 10 or 12 signs out, and I got so many compliments on it. Um, and then I started realizing, you know what? I don't need to worry about what other people think or what other colleagues in my industry think. This is about growing my business. And if you don't get your face and your name out there, don't listen to the voice in your head that says, oh, don't do that. Somebody's going to think you're being aggressive or you're too out there. Be bold. I mean, we are in a city in greater Houston area that has over 40,000 realtors. You've got to stand out. So think outside your comfort zone. Do things that, that, that make you uncomfortable, but don't listen to the voice in your head that says, oh, somebody's going to make fun of your picture in this place, or don't do this because it's going to be too much, or the other realtors aren't going to like it. Hey, guess what? Disruption Nation. I disrupted that community when I started that, and now there's all kinds of people out putting their open house signs out at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's like a race. Um, but anyway, so that's it. Sorry. Soapbox. You're good. Love it. Anybody else? Are we good? Are we done? Guys, give them a hand. They killed it. Y'all did great. <laughs>